0: morning morning. welcome to mission view church my name is matt if this is your first time here so glad you joined us for worship this morning hopefully enjoyed it so far it was great great job jordan and band wonderful time well um we just had our missions night just last sunday night and it was amazing we had 258 yeah yeah praise the lord We actually had 258 people from Mission View show up and uh, meet our missionaries from around the world. It was a rare opportunity. All of our missionaries were here except for Jamshed. So um, it was amazing to see, walk through the lobby of Mission View Church and see Ramazan on the right and see Josh Whitman on the left. We're, we're talking like Turkey and Italy and Israel and, I mean, just all these different countries from around the world. Here, you know, the, the different languages and everything, it was amazing. People from Mazatlan were talking to people from Italy and they were speaking two different languages but could understand each other. And I was standing there going, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> really good it sounded like it was really good what they were saying but it was amazing you know just to see and witness that so we talk about our missionaries here at View church every every sunday we pray for them every sunday but it's a it's a whole nother thing to see them face to face hear about what's going on in their ministries in their lives and just uh just the report back from that is just the amazing things that god is doing all over the world our missionaries are making an impact for the kingdom of god Over the pandemic, uh, many of them thought that their ministries were going to fall apart, things were going to be so difficult. They didn't know if they'd be able to continue. But what they found and what we heard over and over again from them is that the pandemic brought so many opportunities for the gospel. For just one quick example, Mazatlan, John Reeser, Mazatlan supported 12 churches, amazing ministry, 12 different church plants that they were supporting had done pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, quadruple groupled that to 40, 40 churches that they were able to support because of the desperate need during the pandemic. And those churches that were added on to the research ministry, there, shoulder to shoulder, um, said they would not have survived if it would not have been for shoulder to shoulder ministry. That many churches, just a miracle that God was doing using something that was horrific for the the entire planet, but God used for his kingdom and his glory. Amen. Just amazing things like that, that every, every ministry shared. Um, So just really excited to partner with missionaries. We are Mission View Church, right? And uh, we look forward to going out on missions um, this coming year as well. So be looking for that and announcements for those different missions. Well, we are in a sermon series called GPS. Who here likes their GPS in their car? Siri tells them where to go. Rerouting, rerouting. Anybody ever get that? You make the wrong turn. Rerouting, rerouting. Our life with God is kind of like that sometimes. Have you ever done that? You you pray about, we pray about our lives. We want to do what God's called us to do, right? We want to go, we don't want to be ahead of God. We don't want to be behind. We want to be right in step with what he's doing in our lives. But every once in a while we get that, that answer to prayer that's rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Have you ever experienced that? Man, I know I have, and I jokingly say, and it's not really j- a joke, but we make our plans in pencil, and God makes his in ink. He makes his in Sharpie. Uh, he, he knows tomorrow. He knows next year. He knows eternity. He sits in eternity and knows all things, and God is our GPS, our guiding, providing Savior. We're going to be reading in Mark 10, 17 through 31 today. This is the account of Jesus and the rich young ruler. It's probably a story most of us are familiar with. It's uh, uh, very uh, told very often in churches, but um, it's been interesting to study through this, and I think God has a great challenge for us today. So let's pray before we read this account in the life of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word And most of all, Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who left heaven and came down and put on flesh, became a man to do what no one else could do. He would live a perfect life, die a sinner's death, and rise from the grave defeating sin and death for us and for all who would put their faith in him. So, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that you so loved us. You so loved the world that you sent your only son. So, Father, as we open up your word, this God-breathed word, I pray that it would pierce deeply into our hearts, that it would take root and bear fruit in our lives for your kingdom and your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark 10, starting in verse 17, says this, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is an interesting start to this account. It's not every day uh, uh, that you would see in this time somebody run up to somebody, kneel before them, and make some kind of statement or question. This was way out of the ordinary in this time, just like it would be today. Could you imagine walking down, you know, the streets of North Canton or Canton or Akron, and you're just walking along, somebody just runs up to you, kneels down before you and asks you a question? Uh, It wasn't wasn't the uh, average thing going on here. And he goes on and he says, And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. You might want to underline that statement there. It, it kind of reveals a little bit about this guy already. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing go. how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly. I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. God's word for us today. I want to look at that first section verses 17 and 18 to start off here and the first filling in your notes is this there is only one who is good there's only one who is good do you ever have a conversation you're talking about somebody and you're like oh man he's a really good guy or she's she's just really good people they're just really good people right We've had those conversations. We look at the people in our society who seem to have it all together. You know, from the outside looking in, they have a good job. They've got, you know, a spouse, you know, 2.5 kids, a dog and a cat. And they, they live in the suburbs and they're... It just seems like they do the right things. I mean, they serve at the food kitchen. They go to church on Sundays. They're just good people. And this statement that Jesus makes is so shocking. You think this is God in the flesh, one of three, the Trinity, three in one, the God that we serve. This is Jesus. He lives a perfect life. We know sitting on this side of time, he lived a perfect life. He never made any mistakes. He never sinned. Not even in his thought process did Jesus, and he was perfect, and he makes a statement. There's only one who is good. Jesus was not denying his deity but was pointing to the Father. You see, Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. What Jesus did, how he acted, what he said, and and everything that he did was to reveal to us God the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus knew that the sins of the world, though, would be put on him. Now, he would live a perfect life. would never sin. But at the cross, all of our wickedness, all of our sin, every sinful thing that I've done, every sinful thing that you have done, every wicked thought that has crossed your mind and every wicked thought that has crossed my mind would be put on Jesus at the cross. The Father would turn His face away from His only Son and pour out His wrath on Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He, God the Father, made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus was our substitute on the cross. And this, man, this man's question reveals his confusion about eternal life, about Jesus, about God, about the most important thing we can ever think about in this life. Having a relationship with God. And his question reveals his confusion Teacher, what must I do to be saved? This is the wrong question. It's the wrong question. We don't do or achieve or work for salvation. We do and work because we are saved. Salvation is a free gift that cannot be earned. It is a spiritual revelation of our need, our desperate need for Jesus as our Savior. It is this recognizing our faults and failures, realizing that salvation is a free gift we cannot earn, or it is something that we can deserve somehow, but rather knowing and finding out that it's paid for by grace through God. And Jesus brings that to us. You see, Jesus paid the highest price for us. He gave his life freely, and he gives the gift of salvation to all who would believe and trust in him, the perfect life that he lived, the sinner's death he died, and the resurrection that comes to give us freedom from sin and death the question he should have asked and the question that i would say we should ask is who can save me not what must i do to be saved but who can save me who can save a wretch like me You see, in Christianity, it's different than any other religion on the planet. It's not what you do, it's who you know. It's not what you do, it's who you know. And what this rich, young ruler needs to find out is he needs to know Jesus. So the question we ask ourselves now, even right now, is do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Not just about him, but do you really know Jesus? I mean, anybody anybody can pick up this book and read the history. And they could read all the gospels. They could read all the Old Testament creation, Genesis to Revelation, how it began, how it went, when Jesus came, and how it ends. It's all right here. Anybody can read it. Anybody can know about Jesus. But it's a different thing to know Jesus. I mean, there are professors out there that have read and studied the Gospels in the life of Jesus, even memorized the entire Gospels of Jesus. Professors in, in, in colleges and universities everywhere that are atheists and have the Gospels memorized. But do you know Jesus? Not just know about him. Do you know him as your savior? Do you know him as king and Lord? Do you know him as your judge and advocate? As your brother? As your friend? How do we do that? How do we go from this idea of knowing about Jesus to personal, real relationship, right? Right? I mean, it's there 's all the information's in there we, we have the history, we see the life of Christ in the Gospels. we see the prophecies about who he is, how he would come, what he would do. We even have the end of the story in revelation how he 's going to come again and how he 's going to be the victor and, and win everything and we 're going to go into paradise with him, but in the here and now, in the mess of our lives, in this chaos that we live in, how do we know and grow in our relationship with this Savior God. I want to give you just some practical, practical things that you can do to grow in your relationship and know Jesus. The first one is this: to obey Him. Obey Him. Now that sounds really simple, right? That, that sounds like something, oh, that's that's just really easy until you go out of these doors and try and live your life. <laughs> right? I, I mean, if you really think about it, he, he says, Jesus says it one time. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, do what he says to do. Do what he says to do. And your relationship with him will change. You see... It's easy to say that we trust God. It's easy to say that we love God. It's easy to say that we have relationship with Jesus. But when it really comes down to it, a relationship with Jesus will manifest itself in the way that we act our lives and live out our lives. If you love him, you will obey him. So do what his word says. Do what he commands us to do the second thing you can do is talk to him. Talk to him. Pray. He calls us to be a praying people. If you're going to have a relationship with someone, you need to talk to that someone, right? How many married people in here know that communication is probably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing in your marriage, right? You got to talk. Okay, three of us are on track here. That's great. Okay. Married people, help me out. Who knows communication is important? Raise your hands. All right? Not just in your marriage, but in friendships and family and everything, right? We need to have communication. When was the last time you talked to Jesus? If it was at lunch two weeks ago, you're in trouble. I'm not kidding. You're in trouble. No, we need to have conversations with God. God is real. And he is listening. He hears every prayer. In fact, get this. He knows every thought that crosses your mind. And you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Right? No, talk to God. Pray. Be a praying people. He says that his house will be a house of prayer. That we are to pray without ceasing not that we're like going to walk around on our knees all the time talking to the air. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is this idea of constant communion that we are always 24-7 aware God is with us. God is present. That his Holy Spirit lives in us, never leaves us. And we always have in this, this back part of our minds or front part of our minds this conversation that is happening. God, what are you doing right now? I know I'm in the shower getting ready for work or I know I'm driving down the highway heading to the office or I know I'm going to school or I'm sitting in class or I'm wherever I am, God, what are you doing right now? What are you teaching me right now? What would you have me do right now? In this conversation with this person I'm having right now, how can I glorify you? What what are you doing in my heart? Constant communion, that we would talk, that we would pray. Number three, spend time with him. Take out, schedule it. We got any schedulers here? Get your calendar out. Get your iPhone out. Put out the calendar and put time every day to spend with Jesus. If you're like me, if it's not on your calendar, you're not going to do it. (laughs) If that alarm doesn't go off, that reminder doesn't pop up, you know, I'm off in La La Land somewhere, you know? Put it in your calendar to spend time with God. Number four, tell others about Him. There's an amazing thing that we can do we can actually direct the conversations that we have with other people towards holy things. We can direct conversations that we have with other people towards glorifying the Lord, Lord making those conversations something that is life building and life giving. And the other person doesn't even have to be a Christian in order for this conversation piece to be directed towards good things tells people about jesus share about what god's doing in your lives direct those conversations to him and the other thing is we have conversations with brothers and sisters in christ that should be even more prevalent in our conversation pieces so jesus goes on and he clarifies this truth even a little bit further in verse 19 and i'll read it again he says you know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. Now your second fill in notes is this trying to follow the rules doesn't save us. Trying to follow the rules does not save you. The normal human tendency is to try and be our own savior. We want to be our own god little g. It is the root of sin found in pride that can that we can make our own way that we can achieve anything if we put our minds to it if we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps that practice makes perfect surely we can save ourselves right surely If you just put your mind to it, you can do anything. You can do anything. Most of the time, we see a problem and we ask for a list of things we need to do to fix it, right? Just tell me what I got to do. Tell me what I got to do. I'll fix it. I'll make it right. And Jesus shares here that the problem of sin and the requirement of perfect righteousness, what he shares with this young man, This truth shows us and reveals to us that we cannot save ourselves. You see, God's people, the Jewish people in the Old Testament, were given the law of God. And they lived by the law. Over time, these laws were added to by the religious leaders so that they could try and become more holy and righteous and it made it worse and worse. The law that God had given them became a stick that the religious leaders would beat the people with. Now, God gave the law to protect and guide the people. It was his promise and covenant that he had made with them. He gave it To them, to show them their desperate need for a Savior. These laws that they would purpose in their hearts to hold to and fulfill, they would fail at over and over and over again. Over the centuries, they would fail over and over and over again, revealing humanity's need for a Savior. That we need someone better, greater, stronger, perfect in order to do what God demands. A perfect God demands a righteous and perfect person. And we just can't do that. The law was given to point the people to the Lord and reveal their need for him. God knew we could never follow the law perfectly. And he gave the Jews the sacrificial system. They would take a pure and spotless lamb and sacrifice that lamb because sin demanded blood of the pure and spotless lamb. And Jesus would become the one last, final, pure and spotless lamb crucified for us. His blood was shed for the sins that we have committed. You see, following a list of things to do or following a list of rules cannot save you. You can be the best person in your family... You could be the most righteous person at your job. You could be the best person in your neighborhood. You could be the person that everyone around you looks up to. You could be the person that every Christian around you looks up to. You could be the Christian that every other Christian walks up to and says, Wow, if I could just live like you, if I could just be like you. And you won't make it to heaven unless you know jesus god gave the jews the sacrificial system of all these animal sacrifices to show us god's view of sin the weightiness of sin and how god takes sin so seriously And he shows us how serious he's about sin because he sent his his only son to die and that his blood would be shed for us. And the demands and the requirements to walk into heaven is not following a list of things to do. It is perfect, pure righteousness. Not one failure, not, not a millisecond of a sinful thought. You're disqualified. You're not making it. You have to be perfect for every millisecond of your life, millisecond of your life to make it into heaven. What? Who can do that? Nobody can. That's impossible. Impossible. Jesus goes on, he says in verse 23, he says it is impossible, right? How difficult, he says, will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. And I think Jesus saw their amazement and he goes on, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. Saying it over and over again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He says it again, even more difficult, more impossible. And they were exceedingly astonished. It's like, just like Jesus, right? Takes it to a whole nother level. Every time, every time. The third filling in your notes is this, all things are possible with God all things are possible with God. Get this, a camel through the eye of a needle, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of heaven? Hearing this exchange and witnessing the great disappointment that this rich young ruler had, everyone was exceedingly astonished, exceedingly astonished. And I went back and I looked up the Greek word, and the, The translators did a terrible job here, exceedingly astonished. I think you want to hear a really great translation of this. Any Greek studies in here? Ready? They were freaking out. There's your great theology and Greek word study for today. They were completely and totally freaking out, exceedingly astonished. They were speechless, dumbfounded, and totally freaking out. And we should be too. We live in one of the wealthiest countries in all of human history. We have everything at our fingertips. We want for nothing. And Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the gates of heaven. Every one of us are greatly wealthy. No exclusions here. If they're freaking out, we should be freaking out. You see, back in those times, anyone with any kind of money, they were looked at as they were blessed by God, and they were the holiest of the holy, and their, their way into heaven was just signed, set, and sealed. They were good to go. And this rich, young ruler, not only wealthy in the blessings of God in society, but he was a ruler, which he probably taught at some of the, you know, their their uh, seminaries back then. He was probably like a seminary professor of of today. And he's wealthy and he comes before Jesus, gets on his knees, and Jesus says, Man, uh, there's one thing. Just go sell everything and follow me. And he just puts his head down and walks home. I mean, the scene is crazy. The disciples are witnessing this. They're this guy's with his head down. I mean, the the one guy. The young guy that had the greatest future set for, before him. He's a professor of seminary stuff. This is the great. Everyone looks up to this guy, head down, going home. What? But this, this, this is where the beauty and the power of the gospel. Reveals itself to us again and again and again and again. And it hits us right in the gut. But God, in His power, in His might, and in His grace, and in His love for you, has made a way. It's impossible to get to heaven. But God, he sent Jesus to do what we couldn't do. And when we go through those pearly gates and we make it to heaven and we walk into eternity, there's not going to be one molecule of our body that says, I did it. I did it. What must I do to be saved? Well, I did it. No, you didn't. He did it. Jesus did it for me and he did it for you. And there's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we could do that merits it. It is all the grace and mercy of God and his son, Jesus Christ, for me and you. But in the realization of that salvation, in the realization of that free gift of grace that God offers to us through his son, what is our response to it? Is it changing you? Is it changing how you think? Is it changing how you live? And is it changing your heart? I love how Jesus takes this conversation with the disciples to. That next level, and he calls them children. If you've been here the last couple weeks, you know that children have been a topic, top of discussion, right? Josh and Andrew so eloquently shared that children have nothing to offer. They are totally dependent on their parents for food, shelter, life. Babies need fed and changed, cared for. They can do nothing for themselves. And what does Jesus call the disciples? Children. Again, we see we see our desperation. We see our helplessness. We see our need. We are children. When it comes to the kingdom work, the salvific work, the sanctification work, the glorification work, we are children, but we are his children, his children. And he is doing all of the work in and through our lives. What's our response? What do we do? What do we do when that Realization comes to us. Now, after Peter's done freaking out, listen to what he kind of gets out of his mouth. I love Peter. Anybody, any Peter fans in here? He's the dude with no filter, right? We all have that friend, right? They just, and you're, after they're done talking, they're like, Did I say that out loud? And you're like, Yes, you did. You need to filter. You need to filter, Barbara, right? We got to filter this stuff, but Peter has no filter, and I love him for it because he says every, whatever he's thinking, right? Here he goes. After this conversation, this impossibility of salvation, you know, of, in our eyes, but only possible through the power and work of God, Peter blurts out See, we left everything and followed you, right? Like, this is like, are we okay? You can almost hear the question in the statement, right? Look, look, we, we left everything and followed you, Jesus. I love this. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last first. If there's two things in this text that you take home with you, take home this and take home, he looked at him and loved him, right? He looked at the rich young ruler and loved him. Two things I wanna get through here really quick. When Jesus loved him, he didn't coddle him. He didn't say, you know what? Good job. You followed all the laws. You've done some really good stuff. You know what? Keep it up, chump. You just just do good there, buddy junior. and It's going to be all right. No, he looked at him, loved him, and told him he was going to hell. Whoa, everybody looked up there. Wait what? Wait, what? He loved him, and he told him the truth. He told him the truth. Our world's convinced us that loving someone is lying to them. Oh, you're fine. Just keep it up, keep it up, buddy. You'll be okay. Live your life. You do you, boo. if we really love people we tell them the truth we tell them in love i think that the statement that he looked at him and loved him when he shared with him you you lack one thing listen rich young ruler you just it's just one thing i'll tell you what here you go just go sell everything you have go sell everything you have give it to the poor and come with me be with me. Walk with me. Can you imagine that invitation? Your Savior, King, God in the flesh. Just come walk with me. Just come be with me. There's a fourth filling I have in your notes. It's this. You can write it on the back side. Greatness here and now does not equate to greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus acknowledges the sacrifice. Let's read this text real quick. The rest of it. Truly I say to you there's no one we read that next who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. That verse 30. Jesus acknowledges their sacrifice that they've left everything and come to follow him. It, but he says there is a reward. But let's not be deceived. People read this verse and they say things like this. I'll tell you what. Write a check right now for $10,000 to Mission View Church. And right here, you're going to get 100 fold back. You're going to get it in your bank account. Write a $100 check if that's what you can afford. You're going to get 100 fold back. Right, right into your bank account. Baloney! Baloney! That's I'm gonna keep it Christian. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm filtering. I am filtering. Just read your notes. Do not be deceived. When Jesus says you will receive a hundredfold now in this time, He's not. Talking about dollars in your bank account. He's talking about spiritual rewards. He's talking about your heart. What the rich young ruler missed is giving his heart to Jesus. He followed all the rules, he did what everything he's supposed to do. He followed everything and he comes to Jesus. What must I do to be saved? And he didn't give God his heart. Money had his heart. His bank account had his heart. His house had his heart. His societal stance with society and the universities and everyone looking up to him had his heart. When we give everything to Jesus and we give up everything for Jesus, he changes the desires of our hearts. We go from seeking wealth and riches to seeking a closer relationship with Him no matter what the cost. We go from being dominated by thoughts about money, power, security, health, and stability to being caught up in worship and relationship with Him. Anxiety, fear, anger, hopelessness, sexual immorality, and all other sins fade away into the back mess of nothingness when we sit at the foot in the shadow of the cross in relationship with our Savior. Jesus acknowledges their sacrifice and says there will be a great reward here and now and in the future paradise, but reminds them to stay humble and keep a servant's heart and attitude because the first shall be last and the last first. And there it is again, humility. Week after week after week, text after text, conversation after conversation that Jesus has. He leads us to self-sacrifice, giving, servitude, and he always points to the heart. So the question we have to walk out of here with, and the question we have to remind ourselves with regularly, like this rich young ruler Jesus challenges him with, what is? has your heart? What are you so worried about? What do you think about constantly? What has your attention? What has your affections? What has your heart? And you can find that out real quick. What makes you anxious? What keeps you up at night? What do you worry about? What has your heart? Is it Jesus? The King of kings and Lord of lords that's made a way for you and me? Now all of us, we, we want to answer that question like, it's God, it's the Lord. He's, he's my everything. Everything. If Jesus walked out of that door, came and grabbed this microphone and said, just called your name specifically. And he said, hey, go over to Chase Bank tomorrow at 9 a.m. Close all your accounts, sell your house, close your retirement account, get all the cash out, go down to downtown Canton, give it to that ministry down there that serves the homeless. And we're heading to Africa Tuesday morning. And it's going to be awful. You're going to get real sick for the first year, couple months, be puking, diarrhea, it's that kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to spend the rest of your life there and it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened. Would you do it? Ugh. Yes. Yes. I want to say Yes. I want to believe I would say yes. Would I say yes? See, Jesus, he's not asking you to sell everything and go to Africa. Well, let me clarify. He might be asking you to sell everything and go to Africa. If he's saying that to you right now by the power of his spirit, you better go do it, and Mission View will help you do it. But Jesus doesn't ask everyone to sell everything and go to Africa but he demands that we be willing to. And you know what? Does that feel impossible? Can we just just be honest in church and say, Matt, that's impossible. You know what comes next, right? But God, with God, all things are possible. This rich young ruler lost it. He missed it. It feels impossible to you because you're worried about your kids. You're worried about your future. You're worried about your retirement. You've worked for these things. You've worked on these things. And God's saying, give it all away. Put your trust in me. Trust in me. I am the king of kings. I am your creator. I love you. Give it all away. You don't necessarily have to move to Africa and sell it all, but you need to be willing to. That feels impossible, but it is possible with me. God's going to do that in our hearts. Amen? Amen. God is going to bring us to a place where we're willing just to give it all away and give it all away for him. Mission view, this is our calling. This is what Jesus is calling us to, to be so passionately infatuated with this creator, sustainer of all life, this Jesus Christ who's made a way for us that we would be willing to do anything that he calls us to, amen? Amen. He's calling us to it now. Give it all to him. Everything that has your heart, give it to Jesus. And we won't be like the rich young ruler who walks away with his head down. We'll be the world changers because the spirit of God is in us and with us and we give him everything. That's Mission View Church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today and it is a hard word But it comes with the power of God. Father, do a work in us that we would give our hearts to you. All of it, every part of it. Make us a people willing to lay down our lives for the kingdom of God. If you call us to Africa, we'll go to Africa. If you say sell it all, we'll sell it all. If you say give it all, we'll give it all do that kind of work. It seems impossible, God. It just seems impossible. But with you, all things are possible. So come and do that work in our hearts. Do that work in our lives for your kingdom and for your glory. We surrender all to you. Our prayer, use us up for your kingdom. Nothing left in us, all of you, for your kingdom and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song today. If you would like to receive prayer, the prayer team's gonna come up probably about halfway through this song. Feel free to come forward. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Don't leave here today if you need prayer. We wanna pray with you. So let's worship together.